Family Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Murphy stepped back, kicked to Couture, straight on three. He's still hot. Wow, what a shot. Matherin dribbles left, Bernard steps out of the help. Here's Larson down at Coloco, right block. Powers up and jams it in. Christian Coloco with the right hand hammer. Grace at the three-point line. Drives on Menenka, pulls his way to the basket. He puts it in, and he's fouled. Matt Grace with the hoop to tie the game. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Ari's here. Finley's going to studios. Willie Cofield. Let's do it. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Lady Rebels go dancing. We knew that last week. Matchup, 13 seed against Arizona at Arizona. The four seed, that's on Saturday. No NIT for the UNLV men. Big deal? No, because I don't think that it should have been – I don't think it should be a big disappointment if if they're disappointed they didn't make it because I don't necessarily think that they had the non-conference resume. What did they do? Beat a nine-win Kansas State team? They lost to Montana State? What are you, what are you, what are you laying your hat on? A win over Benedict team? couple of wins over Colorado State. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, a March Madness team, but I just don't know if you get disappointed and look at it like, well, it's a big deal. It's They, they played well. They showed some life. They showed that the, maybe it's headed in the right direction under Kevin Kruger, and now it's time to build on that. That's all. Number four. You know, while all the terms are going on, NIT and then the big one, the NCAA tournament, it's also, you know, Black Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe – couple more days where coaches are going to be fired. There's a ton of openings. So LSU finally says enough with Will Wade. So they go into the tournament with their coach fired because all the FBI and cheating allegations. South Carolina fired Frank Martin. Yep. Florida lost Mike White to Georgia. How about that? In that rivalry in the conference, you steal someone else's coach. You already knew Maryland, Louisville, and Kansas State were open. And then Missouri with Desiree Reed-Francois former AD at UNLV, she fires Conzo Martin. There's some jobs open there, some pretty high-level jobs, but you know some of the jobs like Kansas State, Missouri, some ties to Kevin Kruger. Will yeah. he get a call? I don't think so. I don't. Th- I, I mean, he, well, let me rephrase that. Does he get a call? There's. He can't say no, he won't, but I don't think that he's going anywhere, and I don't think that he should. I mean, that would just be a, Can you imagine another coaching carousel at UNLV if he were to get a call? I'm going to tell you the person who I wouldn't shock me if he gets a call, and but I don't know if he would go anywhere, is is it time for Brian Dutcher to get a call? And is it time for him to move on? Would he go somewhere? No. He had his chance last year to go back to his dad's school, his area, Minnesota. And uh, it didn't work out. So, no, I think he's – now he's entrenched. He, I, he's not going anywhere. They satisfied him. I don't think he's about making $4 million a year. And when he came out with us a couple weeks ago, he, he talked about it. He's like, there's nowhere better than San Diego. And they've got things all set. They've got a program in place that basically has the same exact team for the last 17 years. So their system's in place. They can do a nice mix of transfers and freshmen who grow with the program. So I don't think he's going to leave. The guy in, – in my mind, the guys who should be getting a call in the conference – uh, in the Mountain West Conference, one is Nico Medved. He's probably ready for the next jump up. Uh, Leon Rice. Boise. I don't know if people saw it. Boise didn't get back in time 
from the Saturday afternoon Mountain West Conference Championship game in Vegas, they didn't get back to Boise in time to see the selection show. They had flight delays all over the place. They barely charter anywhere. They have to they have to fly commercial at Boise, where he's won 20 games, 9 out of 12 seasons. But what the heck were they doing? What, what, what the heck what, were they doing? What, where was the flight delay? What, was it snowed in or something? I don't know. Stuck. Well, Nico Mevich just signed an extension. He just got signed. He's not going anywhere. Four mil a year? He's, he's, he, I, I mean, mean, if he can get three or four million dollars a year, yeah. and he can go somewhere. And then I think Jeff uh, Linder from Wyoming is a candidate to jump somewhere else. I don't think he wants to because he's got a good good base to build around, but Laramie is Laramie. I could see Leon Rice going somewhere before I could see Medved. Number three. Wide receiver market changing by the second. Zay Jones gone. The Jaguars have now signed Zay Jones to... $30 million, a $24 million bonus. And earlier in the day, they signed Christian Kirk to set the market for the top end of the receivers. I don't think it sets the top end, but he got $84 million from the Jaguars. First of all, the thought on the Jaguars part, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk for $114 million. Is there now a Jack's tax? Because it's viewed as such a hellhole. I don't know, but we can just talk about talk about for a moment that that's a big loss for the Raiders. I don't care what anybody we'll, tells. We'll me. get to it. Is yeah, there okay. is there an ex, is there extra money that Jacksonville is having to pay? It seems like it, right? In order to come in there to get people to go there. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I think that they're they're building. I mean, just to, to suck up to, to 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 suck it up because you're coming to play for that organization. I think that they're 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 show they're trying to sell the potential with Trevor Lawrence. No. You're trying to sell the potential of living. You're, you know, for Zay Jones, a guy like Zay Jones, you're going from Nevada to Florida. Taxes, easy, right? So I think I think that they're selling the potential of being able to play for a guy like that, and maybe the culture's changing now that they've gotten rid of Urban Meyer. So got I, Doug I, I, Peterson, who's a Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah. All right, Zay Zay Jones has a loss to the Raiders. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I would think, you have paid him thirty-one million dollars? Ooh, you're thinking about it. I think I, you're insane. I don't know if, I, if if he's if he on that team on the Raiders. I'm not sure that he, you know, he's a 31 million dollar. I think there's a difference in in the franchises right. where which you just sort of touched on in terms of paying to get him there. But I don't think it's in the regard that you're putting it. But as far as a loss in talent, I think that the Raiders lost an invaluable piece of their receiving core of somebody who can do a lot of different things, a lot of different facets of. Wide receiver, whether it's going over the middle, going long, short slants, quick passes. You know, I mean, I think I, I've always been pro Zay Jones for that offense. So I, I think it's a big loss for the Raiders. What do you think happens at the top of the market now? Because, you know, you can franchise Devontae Adams all you want. He's due a big deal. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I mean, he's got Aaron Rodgers is back. Of course he's going to stay. What if they can't pony up real money for a long-term deal? Yeah, then they, they don't have it. It's not, it's not I mean, the, the players are definitely, I mean, last year it was Aaron Rodgers dictating, right? Well, I'm not sure and not reporting. And, and now all of a sudden, now it's Devontae Adams pulling this in a different manner, obviously, different storyline. But they're, they're definitely dictating the narratives of their, their path. And, uh, Devontae Adams is a, is a guy who can obviously drive that price tag high. 
whether or not he ends ends up staying is 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 a whole other deal. And it was Green Bay going to pony up that kind of money? Are they going to go? Here they are having to deal with this all over again. They they probably thought to themselves, well, we got through it with Aaron Rodgers. He's coming back. You know, last season with the holdout. Now all of a sudden, Devontae Adams. And I have seen some Raiders bloggers, and there's a bunch of them out there. But uh, I know one of them last week was like, yeah, no big deal that he's got. He's going to get franchised. He's still not staying. So in that case, I will believe to believe. I will believe to believe. Number two. Number two. But what I won't believe, because I think Adams might have an interest in the Raiders. Yeah. I started to lay this out when this new regime got hired. Mm. I do not believe Patriots dudes, Dave Ziegler, and Josh McDaniels, the GM and the coach, are going to be blow out the budget guys on players. I think they are going to build the Raiders. Now they signed Max Crosby for big money, but I think for the most part, Willie, they are going to build the Raiders in the image of the Patriots. And what's the image of the Patriots? Not a lot of people get paid. So you sent me a, another one of these blog stories. And this (laughs) is what, this is what all the bloggers have been doing. And a lot of the people who, you know, cover the Raiders, you see some money and the Raiders really don't have that much money and they still don't have, Derek Carr signed, and they make these lists with the biggest names out there, and it's like, one, I don't think they have the money to get the biggest names, and two, I don't think these guys are going to build the team that way. So J.C. Jackson is gone. He's off to the Chargers for upwards of $85 million. Uh, The list you sent over has a bunch of defensive back candidates, but to me, all these guys are going to be making in excess of like $13 million a year. And I just don't know that the Raiders are going to build that way. They, you know, J.C. Jackson gone, Carlton Davis probably gone, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, I maybe he'll be he, a little bit cheaper, but I still yeah. think there's going to be a lot of competition for him. Uh, Ward from Kansas City, and then um, I, I just don't, I don't see it going down like this, man. I don't think they're going to break the budget to sign high-priced defensive backs. Well, I know how much you love the the Raiders bloggers, but I did send over this story specifically because it was my guy Levi Damian, who I do appreciate his a lot of the, the, the his work and sort of the research he puts in. So the list intrigued me a little bit, and Gilmore was the one guy that stood out that I wondered just in terms of the familiarity with McDaniel's and Ziegler's and the fact that Gilmore spent four seasons in New England. But I agree with you in that they are going to have a conservative bankroll and build like Bilichick did in where they're just going to go out and get dudes. They're not going to go. They, I mean, that's what Belichick's been known as. How many times have we talked about, and I don't mean we on this show, I'm just talking about people in general, NFL analysts, reporters, media, and fans alike is like, Jesus, how did Belichick see this talent? And they bring him in, and they turn them into big-time stars. We trust our scouting department, and we're not going to pay top five money at most positions. It's not going to happen. We're going to build with dudes. I mean, he did it with tight ends this last year, and he'll every once in a while. You know, he he doesn't do it, and I don't think these guys are going to do it. And, hell, we just saw the the prime example. Why wouldn't the Patriots bring back J.C. Jackson? Because they don't do that. It's as simple as that, right? No. And now you've let, you just let another AFC rival bring him in, and the Patriots are like, we'll find someone else. That's just the way it works. Number one. Well, the brackets are coming out yesterday, <laughs> and Tom Brady, Camp Brady, freaking news dumped the hell out of the tournament. Yeah, everybody's bracket went up in flames. <laughs> Thanks, Tom Brady. He could. I, you cannot tell me that he, you know, I, I saw some people like, well, 
that just came out. He just put that out there. He probably didn't realize, or it's you know, come on. He did. He wasn't trying to overshadow. Come on now. Maybe he wasn't intentionally not trying to overshadow the selection show, but he knew it's selections. Who doesn't know if you're, especially if you're a professional athlete, everybody loves March Madness. Whether you win or lose a Super Bowl, whether you're in the playoffs or not, you're an off-season athlete. You're watching. Everybody watches college basketball. Come on now. But question is why? What's the real reason why, Steve? Was he did he get a taste of what home life's going to be for 24/7, 365? Did he say, you know what? I kind of like what Rob had to say earlier in that. You Rob Motti, our guest at 4:15 that, from the AP, where he just said, you know, he needed some time, some to buy. You know, buy. He needed to buy some time to convince Giselle one year, one more year, maybe two. And I want to hear the story. I don't. I don't know. I think that's a running joke. Uh, but you did notice there were people immediately upon his retirement who were like, he does not want to walk. Like they knew there was something weird sure. about this whole thing. Sure, absolutely. I mean, there was. He was not ready to retire. There's what something. If, what if we go sinister route? Okay. What if she was the one who leaked it to Schefter to force his hand? No, remember I remember how pissed off he was. Like, hey, you know, I haven't made a decision yet. You know, and Schefter just basically screwed me over. Maybe not her, but maybe her people. Maybe they have time. She's got with, people. Well, but hasn't it come She's out? She's got that people she, with a with a quick line. To Adam doesn't Schefter? she have? Doesn't you don't think that she has a camp? Like a PR camp, and you don't think that her PR camp and Brady's PR Damn. camp have a tie-in with one agent, like so his agent, her agent, and then there's somebody between a go-between, a liaison, maybe not for it, and that's who leaked it to Schefter. Damn, I think you're trying to smooth things over. No, I think, I'm not she, to... I think she tried to force TB12 in her retirement. And he thought about it for two weeks, and he's like, "Nah." Well, come yeah, on, through I'm the playing. liaison, through the liaison. But she did, yeah. By the way, who was, could, who, who was the uh, liaison go-between with uh, Schefter and Deshaun Watson that prompted him to uh, tweet out basically justice was served and he's innocent? That one didn't work out. You saw that, right, last week? Yeah. Schefter sent out basically what looked like a press release from the Watson, the Camp Watson, and people are like, wait, because the grand jury didn't move forward and doesn't then, mean that he's and then vindicated he, or innocent. And then, then he replied to his own tweet, says, oh, he had the, to. the way that I worded this, let me know. The way that your press release re- worded this? Or someone mean? else's press yeah, release, yeah. right? That was bad. Um, Will Compton, kind of Raider, had a cup of coffee here, uh, did tweet out about Tom Brady, said, uh, dude has played 22 seasons, won seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, 15 Pro Bowls, and just said, Unfinished business. That's when you know a guy is one of the most driven, if not the most driven, athlete in sports history. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Well, we're going to play really hard. Um, we're going to compete, you know, our tails off. We're going to have a great game plan. I know our team's going to give it everything that they can. Uh, offensively, we want to get in transition and try to score a lot of points. Defensively, we want to make it tough for our opponents. And so, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the game plan's going to be yet, but we're going to have a good one, and we're going to do go out there and give it our best shot. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Lady Rebels going to the big dance. Taking on Arizona. That was Lindy LaRock at the bracket reveal party. We're tracking all the NFL news that's coming in. So Raiders lose. Zay Jones just got paid real nice 
base of twenty four million, upwards of thirty million from the Jaguars. I mean, I would argue, uh, you know, Raiders healthy. You know, had Rugs not turned into a complete freaking dirtbag, Zay Jones is a fourth receiver now on the Jaguars because they may lose uh, DJ Shark. Um, you know, they probably need him as a two or a three. They signed, I think, at least by the money, a one. <laughs> $84 million for the Cardinals' Christian Kirk. So a lot of big money being thrown around. Raiders really haven't jumped in with much so far, but that does not surprise me at all. Uh, big money given to Kirk Cousins, $35 million. Is Kirk Cousins basically Derek Carr? I don't think so. I, I I saw that. I saw how you worded that. And well, I'm I not, said uh, at quarterback, I, don't the Vikings equal the Raiders? Where they're and what I meant by that is where they may be afraid to venture into the unknown or make a bold deal to you know get younger and go after Deshaun Watson. And with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, they're good enough to have you as close to a winning team. But can they win you playoff games? Right, and I think that both organizations believe that they can get bigger components to sort of embellish the talents of their quarterback situation. Um, so as far as the Raiders are concerned, they're going to have to get a big name wide out to come, you know, be the target I, for it. So for Minnesota... If, if, I, if, Willie, I was going to say, if you believe that Carr is better than Cousins, the, the, the argument would almost be, well, look, they're about the same. Look at Carr's weapons and look at Cousins' weapons. Cousins has good weapons. Jefferson is... Ridiculous. And they have a really good running back. No. What I'm saying is that they have to... You're saying to go out, be, rebuild, get young, get big. Instead, be be um, complacent with having a non-elite but top 15 quarterback but not a top 10 quarterback. Because you feel that you can get bigger names to sort of complement with what you have in being a little bit at, above average quarterback. That's where they're at. For the Raiders, it means going and getting a big-time target. For the Vikings, is it complementing with the rushing game? Is it complementing? Is it improving the defense? What is it? So, Because I don't think that Kirk Cousins is an elite quarterback. I don't think that he is the reason that the Vikings are going to win a Super Bowl. They have to have other reasons. They have to have other stars. They have to have bigger stars. But... As far as this bankroll is concerned, they certainly believe that Kirk Cousins is their guy because of what they've committed to pay him. And they've got a supposed quarterback guru, former NFL quarterback, you know, off the uh, Rams staff as a short-time OC, as their new head coach. So maybe he can take him to the next level. You know, maybe Mike Zimmer wasn't the guy to do that. You realize right now on the show – Adam Hill is done with Carr and kind of done with the Raiders of now and is looking to tear things down and build. Adam Candy is ready to move on from Carr. I've said repeatedly, if you can upgrade with a guy like Deshaun Watson, then it's time to move on and send Derek Carr somewhere else for draft capital. You're the lone wolf. Maybe Ari's with you. If you, I'm well. You're not on the same page as Adam. No, I'm and not. Adam. I'm, I'm not total teardown. I, th- I think. I think they're still a playoff level team, 
And I think Carr can get them there, okay. but is that good enough? We've had this conversation. I have never said don't move on. What I've said is you don't need to move on, but if you can, I've said the exact same thing as you before, right after the season was over, when the when the free agents were on the table, when Russell Wilson was a topic of conversation. Yes, if you can go after those guys and you can land them, then you have to do it. You definitely have to do that. If all the top quarterbacks are in place now, the, uh, the, the ones that were available, Russell Wilson is now in Denver. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Oh, Tom Brady, hey, welcome back to Tampa Bay. Okay, who who now what are you going to do? Break it down, tear it down, and go get who? So, no, you don't move on from Derek Carr. If they would have opted to do that first, there's no guarantee that they were going to get anybody. So you don't tear it down and move him out and put him in a situation that would be advantageous for him without a commitment. If you have the commitment that you know you can land somebody big, then, yeah, you have to make that run. Now you have to work with Carr. How big an indicator do you think, like, just some basic stats, like, touchdowns and interceptions are for quarterbacks? The ratio, I believe, depends on the offense you're running. But the ratio is important in, in, without a doubt, especially with the scheme that you're running. I mean, you can't, you can't have a high number of interceptions. And Derek Carr has shown that at times he has thrown the ball at the wrong time. He's made ill decisions. He, that have resulted in picks. But you you can't lend all your creams to the number that you're at. I do think that it's important to look at the ratio. That being said, when you get inside the red zone, like a team like the Raiders, they have to find a way, like they did last year and the year before, they have to find a way to put the ball in the end zone. So if you don't have a high number of touchdowns, but your offense is getting it done with a rushing game, then I don't think that you it's fair to put that on the quarterback. Last four years... Derek Carr, 90 touchdowns, 41 interceptions. Kirk Cousins, 124 touchdowns, 36 interceptions. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Oh, in the hands of Jeffries, and then Justin Webster takes it away, and they foul Hamilton. Justin Webster having a tremendous night. What a play, heads-up play by Webster with that steal. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Now, that was a good moment for UNLV a couple games back when they beat Wyoming, but uh, they just could not make a shot down the stretch, even though they had a four-point lead with two minutes left, and Wyoming wins. Wyoming advances to the semis. They lose in the semis, but they are in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about travel for Boise, who got stuck here for a day and a half. Boise's a basketball program. This guy is freaking working his patootie off to get to Dayton. Wyoming is in the first four, and uh, Cody Taylor covers the uh, scene for 7220.com and giving us a couple minutes as he's uh, now flown uh, a little over, what, three quarters across the country. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Boy, you're not kidding. I I was driving into Dayton about two hours ago, and I was thinking, man, two days ago I was in Las Vegas, and now I'm (laughs) Dayton, Ohio, of all places. I never in a million years thought I'd be here. How do you get from Laramie to Dayton? Oh, boy. Well, I actually live in Cheyenne, which is 45 miles uh, east of Laramie. So Denver, I feel like I've been living at Denver International Airport for the last week. But uh, it's about a 100-mile trip. And uh, thank God it's close because, man, <laughs> some people don't have it that close. So 
Um, Selection Sunday, what was the vibe? Like, how how nervous was Wyoming? Oh, yeah, a lot of pacing. Uh, Second-year head coach Jeff Linder kept putting his hands in his pocket and kind of pacing and switching seats. And he said he was really nervous when he saw Michigan get the call and when Richmond got the automatic bid. And then when he saw uh, Boise State, of course, the eventual tournament champion and regular season champion get an eight seed, he thought, "Uh uh-oh, we might be in a little bit of trouble here. But then once Colorado State landed the six, he said, all right, I think we're back in business. And uh, thank God, they uh, before the UNLV game in the Mountain West tournament, they had announced they were having a watch party. And I, I even talked to some people at the administration and said, are you guys sure about this? <laughs> and it could have gone, gone sideways for sure. But uh, a couple hundred people showed up yesterday in the Gateway Center in Laramie, and uh, fun was had. <laughs> we'll put it that way. A lot of, a lot of deep breaths and a lot of, a lot of relief. Going back to your point about Boise, what do you think of that seed? You know, I don't know. I mean, we, I was just talking about it with a colleague here in Dayton. And, uh, you know, CSU, I thought, was the best team in the Mountain West. You they did? Sure they didn't win it. They did. And, and you know what? UNLV was their kryptonite, absolutely, hmm. 100%. But they beat Boise both times. CSU beat San Diego State once. They beat Wyoming once. I thought they were the most consistent team all year. Uh, Boise State just, man, they always seemed like they were hanging on by a thread. They found a way to win. They always did. But... They lost some really head-scratching games early in the year. I believe they only scored 39 points against California Bakersfield and just some games that after watching this team all year, you can't even believe they lost those games. All right, let's talk about this matchup here in a second, but what about the seed and what about a play-in game? Uh, You'd like to think if you win as many games as the Wyoming Cowboys did this year, you wouldn't be stuck in Dayton, Ohio, but uh, they're just so happy to be in. They're, They're so fortunate. This this uh, program has arrived way quicker than we thought it would. I mean, they're, they're, two years ago, they won six games in the regular season. I mean, it was it, it was brutal. And coming over from Cheyenne every day, I would pray for it to snow so I didn't have to make it to Laramie to cover the game. That's how bad it was because nobody cared. It was just brutal. So what Jeff Linder has done in Laramie is nothing short of amazing. So, you know, some people are going to gri- are griping about the, uh, you know, the first four, but... <laughs> Jeff Linder's not one of them, uh, and neither are his, are his team. His team is not. They're so happy to be here. They're so young. I mean, he's starting four COVID freshmen. There's another true freshman that's in the in the rotation. Uh, they've arrived way earlier than expected. So, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, of course, but, uh, you know, they're in. So that's all that really matters in the end. We're getting ready for uh, one of the Mountain West matchups in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Cody Tucker is with us from 7220.com. Willie Ramirez here as well. All right, how do you view this Wyoming roster right now in terms of freshness? Because I did think, and I know they were on the heels of a lot of games and a lot of days, and they've had a couple of days off here, but they got to play on a Tuesday. I thought they looked a little bit tired uh, at the end of the season and even in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, they played, what, seven games, I think, in the last 18 games because of the COVID pause. And it wasn't like they were playing the Air Forces in San Jose States of the world either. I mean, the Cowboys had lost 19 straight in the Thompson Mack Center against the Rebels. Uh, they, they played San Diego State. They played CSU. It was just, it was a gauntlet. It was really tough. That Fresno State game, the last game of the year in Laramie going into overtime, that really saved their bacon. I feel like if they lost that game, they were going to be in a lot of trouble. But they were, they were exhausted. And Coach Linder hates excuses more than anybody, but even he had to put it out there that, you know, they were just flat tired. Grammy Ike's shots are falling short. A lot of guys' shots are falling short. It was just a really, really tough stretch. And honestly, like I said, guys, going back to how young this team is, they played, you know, the, what, 16, 17 games last year in front of empty arenas, and that wasn't really a grind. But now they have these COVID freshmen, which are still freshmen, 
now finally went through their first grind, and it really wore on them at the end of the year. It was tough. And, you know, old teams win in March, and that's what Boise State was. That's what San Diego State is. That's what CSU is. That's what Wyoming's not. So they were very young, and they, they took a beating. They really did. Cody, so you, you talked about it. These guys are just happy to be in. And then you got a team like Indiana. They raced through the Big Ten before bowing out, but they played valiantly. Can Wyoming feed off that momentum of being able to get in and maybe catch Indiana in a letdown spot? Yeah, you know, I think they can. Um, and, you know, I don't want to make it sound like the Cowboys are just happy to be here. They're, they are happy to be here. But, the, you know, the plan is to win, obviously. And, and, and Coach Linder, is a, he, he coaches them hard. He's tough on these guys, and, and he expects – he expects big things. So I think tomorrow night, you know, Indiana, the Big Ten, that's that's tough basketball, right? That's getting the ball in the post. Uh, I covered Michigan State for two years, so I saw it firsthand night in and night out with Tom Izzo's guys. And it's a tough league, but I think that's where Wyoming is really built for because Wyoming slows it down. They play a half-court offense. Hunter Maldonado will back you down in the post. Ram Ike's had more post touches than anybody in America this year. So that's their kind of game, too, getting physical. You know, you just kind of hope the refs swallow the whistle, let them play a little bit, and and off we go. I think the Cowboys like their chances. They're not going to be running with these guys. It's going to be a real half-court game. That's what they're expecting. Wyoming and Indiana in a playing game. Um, I like the question in the post-game press conference uh, after uh, Wyoming had lost. I forget who asked it, but uh, uh, just to the players, like, are you just glad to play someone else? Like the familiarity yeah. of the Mountain West and how physical it is. Like at some point you're like, can we give our look to someone else so it's kind of fresh to them? No question. No question. And, and if you heard the answers, every single one of them said yes. Ready to, ready to see somebody else because, you know, the Mountain West didn't accidentally get four teams in the big dance. And if you think about it, UNLV was probably the most dangerous team down the stretch of all of them. Uh, they, they could have easily went on a run in their home arena. I don't think anybody would have been shocked. So they, uh, you know, it was just a really, really tough, uh, aside from San Jose State and maybe Air Force, it was just brutal from top to bottom. And if you look at the bottom of the Mountain West in general, you got the Steve Alfords of the world hanging out down there at the bottom of the standings and the, the Patino and, and less, or uh, Tim Miles. I mean, you got some damn good coaches that are hanging out down there at the bottom of the Mountain West standings, and they know how to win some games. So it was an absolute grind. And I know they were they they were tired of it. They were playing a Mountain West team every other night. It was a total NBA schedule. I know I was tired as a reporter. I can't even imagine what these guys are going through. Cofield and Company talking to Wyoming expert Cody Tucker. Cody, you said that this team has like four COVID freshmen. The the bond and the chemistry that's built, you know, on on a team like this. Um, and, and then there's four teams in from the Mountain West. There's three from the Pac-12. How much pride beyond Laramie, which we know from the following that shows up at the Thomas and Mac every year at the Mountain West Conference, but how much pride in terms of playing for the Mountain West improving? Because there's so many people out there saying, four teams from the Mountain West, wait till they bow out, you know, and there, people are waiting to point the finger as far as being able to show up and say, hey, we are for real. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They have to win. I mean, they have to win. Boise State is a perfect example of a team that's been so good for so long under Leon Rice. And when it gets to March, I mean, they just won their first conference tournament title. That's, that's amazing to me as long as Leon Rice has been there and the great teams that he's had at Boise State. But that's how tough it is. But they need to win. CSU needs to win. David Roddy's too damn good. Isaiah Stevens too good. They have to win. San Diego State has been carrying the banner and, and carrying the flag for so long for this conference. It's time to win, and uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to these guys. They take a lot of pride in it. Of course, there's still a lot of uh, 
absolute hatred across the board for each other. But at this time of year, I think uh, everybody's kind of pulling for each other, and they want to see the Mountain West come in and do work just like they did during bowl season. Uh, you know, constantly the Mountain West is near the top of the standings as far as winning bowl games. It's time to start doing that at the big dance. Uh, Willie just mentioned how many Cowboys fans showed up. That was amazing. Were you surprised that Wyoming fans outnumbered Rebel fans like four to one? No, not at all. <laughs> I I actually grew up in Wyoming. Um, grew up going to games my entire life in Laramie. It's just it's just the way it goes, man. And that's what's been so hard about seeing the program being so down until Jeff Linder came in. It was Vegas. Vegas was always about New Mexico fans and Wyoming fans and. You know the Mountain West is always pulling for the Cowboys and Lobos to do well so that they show up in droves in Las Vegas. So it was good to see that. The crowds are coming back to Laramie finally. And for those of you that don't that don't know, I mean, Wyoming is a huge state, and it's very – the altitude is unbelievable. The weather can be unbelievable. It's really hard to get to Laramie on a Monday night, say, for an 8 o'clock tip-off in the middle of February. It's just – it's downright impossible in a lot of nights. So – the fact that they started averaging about 7,000 a night there uh, over the last couple of months was really good. It's really starting to turn a corner, and, and, and the pride is back in the Cowboy basketball program. Cody Tucker's with us. And, you know, I think the other surprising thing for some of the schools, we'll call it in the south and non-mountain regions, is I think we believe that, you know, Wyoming is, you know, bumpkiss, and there's a, t- <laughs> there's a ton of money, dude. I mean, I, I pulled into the parking lot, last week and i'm like how many of these people came down with these giant dualies with the gas seven dollars a gallon it's crazy no doubt. no doubt and a lot of people don't realize wyoming has this the uh, smallest population in the united states at only six hundred thousand people total so i figured probably about six thousand wyoming fans showed up to the thomas and mac that's bigger than a lot of towns in wyoming i mean six thousand people would probably be in the top 10 maybe top 15 biggest towns in the entire state of wyoming 7220 sports 7220.com is where you can find uh, Cody's stuff. Uh, does a great job of covering Wyoming. Um, I wanted to close on one quick mention uh, football next year for you know this coming season. What are the hopes? Well, uh, as you guys probably know, Wyoming got hit pretty hard by the transfer portal. Uh, lost both their starting quarterbacks. They lost an unbelievable wide receiver, Isaiah Nair, to uh, the University of Texas. Uh, the Cowboys lost 11 players all said and told, so it it was tough. It was uh, it was really quick. They all entered at once it seemed, and uh, so the Cowboys had to. You know, Craig Bowles not a big fan of uh, the new age stuff. He's not a big fan of the transfer portal, but he learned he has to be, and uh, he went out and got some guys. Got a couple of P five guys, a corner out of Ole Miss, and a linebacker out of Michigan State, and uh, Utah State and Wyoming kind of switched quarterbacks. Levi Williams now in Logan, and Andrew Peasley's now in Laramie. Um, it, I think people are kind of optimistic, optimistic, but they're also kind of wait and see approach because the Cowboys were picked to finish second last year, and uh, they, you know, by all standards, they really uh, disappointed, and they they had uh, I believe 163 starts combined starts on the offensive line coming back last year, and one of the best running backs in America, and just really didn't get it done. So I think people are ready to see some new blood, and and we're kind of riding the wave of the new era of college football, where you're going to see a lot of new faces every year that. Have already played at other college programs, so I know for one, I'm I'm excited about it. It's you know we've only had the same four quarterbacks I think in Laramie since Josh Allen left. Time to time to get some new blood in there and see what some new guys can do. You lose that many guys to the portal, were people freaking out with uh, Craig Bowl? Like what the hell's going on? Here? Oh. oh yeah, oh yeah, people were flipping out, and uh, Craig tried to calm people down by saying we knew ninety percent of these guys were leaving, and 
I rebutted with, uh, you know, what, did you try and talk him into staying? And he said no. <laughs> so he's one of those hardcore old school dudes that says, if you don't want to ride for the brand, we don't want you anyway. And, you know, it's a slippery slope, fellas. I mean, you can't really do that in today's college football. So I'm really interested to see if Craig Bull at 63 years old, what he can do to adjust and if he can adjust. If not, this young man's game, unfortunately, is going to pass him up. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming on. I know the travel's been uh, a real pain in the keyster. Enjoy the <laughs> run here. And I uh, I actually I think Wyoming can beat Indiana. I think Wyoming has a chance to do some real damage in this tournament. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And uh, look at Trace Jackson Davis and Graham E.K. tomorrow night. Should be a oh, hell yeah. of a matchup. Oh, yeah. All right, Cody, thank you. Thank you. There he is. Cody Tucker, 7220.com, 7220sports. And, yeah, as I mentioned to John Von Tobel about an hour ago, that is going to be one of the key matchups is Graham E.K. against Davis on Indiana. Davis is 6'9 and 250, and we know with big guys, officials, and I'm not saying they do a bad job, but a lot of times it's who can get the ball down in the post and force some action on the defender on the other side. You get Davis in some foul trouble early on, and Cody just pointed it out. I mean, you, you sit and watch Graham Ike, and I was tracking post-touches against UNLV, and I'm like, all right, 22, 24, 20. Like, it's every time down the floor, and it's just so much banging. The officials can either let it be super physical, right? And if you noticed, in both of the Wyoming UNLV games, because these officials have a familiarity with Ike and with what UNLV was trying to do, they really didn't call a lot of fouls. You get new officials who start seeing freaking, you know, dudes, you know, ramming it, right? Ramming it. Like, just banging down low. You get a couple of quick whistles, pace of the game changes. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Bracket contest is up on LVSportsNetwork.com. I'll give my final four here in just a second. I reserve the right to change it. I reserve the right to change it. A reminder, Lady Rebels in the NCAA tournament game, 7 o'clock against Arizona Saturday, is going to be aired on ESPN2. But you can also hear all the action on radio right here with Lotus Broadcasting on Raider Nation Radio 920. That'll be a 7 o'clock start on Saturday with the Lady Rebels taking on Arizona. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, so all this talk of March Madness and national championships coming up. Um, Got to give a shout-out to a national champion, two-time national champion, former Arborview women's wrestler. You know, Steve, women's wrestling is growing, girls wrestling in this valley. Peyton Prussen earned her second straight national title, NAIA national champion. She goes to Life University down in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, Life finished in the top ten, but Peyton won her second straight national championship. So kudos to you, Peyton, 109-pound division. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, bracket tips. We got some bracket tips? We got bracket tips. So kudos to On3.com. They broke it down. 17 of the 19. So get your pencils and pens ready, by the way, in your bracket. 17 of the past 19 champions entered the tournament ranked among top 40 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. 15 teams fit in the criteria. I'm not going to read all 15 teams because we're up against it. But eight of the past nine champions ranked in the top seven in offensive or defensive efficiency in Ken Palm ratings. And among the teams of those final 15, 
Five, Arizona, Gonzaga, Kansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Now, of the 16 of the past 19 ranked in the top six in the overall Ken Palm ratings entering the tournament, four teams fit in that criteria. Arizona, Gonzaga, Kansas, and Kentucky. And of the champs, the number one team in the Ken Palm pre-tournament rankings have won only three times in 19 tournaments. Given that trend, you got to eliminate Gonzaga. One of the three teams, according to On3.com, that's going to win the national title, Arizona, Kansas, and Kentucky. Damn. I'm going to have to change this now. <laughs> Stick your hand in there, Dave. I reserve the right to change it. This is what I have right now in our bracket contest, LVSportsNetwork.com. First prize, cash and goodies worth 1500 bucks. Final four, Gonzaga, mm. UCLA, Kansas, Arizona, three ones, and UCLA knocked out Baylor in my brackets. Three ones, Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Kansas. Do you have Gonzaga beating Duke? In the regional final, in the West regional final that you sent me a laughing emoji about? No, I have Texas Tech beating Duke. Okay. I do, too. Holding them at a 28% shooting. I do, too. And oh, Coach do. K were about the uh, the patch on the back of his hair that he had replaced because he was bald a while ago. I, I didn't go deep that deep, but I have. Here we go. Well, my I'm final not, four. not going that deep, either. It's just a joke. I don't think he's going to rip out the well, no, replacement Well, no, I meant, I, I meant about the 28%. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, I was just talking trash because Texas Tech is a really good defensive team. Yes, they are. Uh, okay. Gonzaga. Oh, boy. Kentucky. I'm going to change that. Okay. Villanova. My guy, Jay Wright. Iowa. (laughs) And Gonzaga beating Villanova in the national championship. Okay. Steve's just jealous because Villanova is, you know, up there in Philly, a little border toward Jersey, so he's a Rutgers guy, and, you know, he's salty because Notre I went Dame to, uh, to, uh, I went to basketball camp at Villanova. I, I, you know where I yeah, went to Ryan basketball Masamino camp? Ryan was a complete jerk I went to basketball then. camp at Dixie State for the Jerry Tarkanian camp in the 70s, and the same two round buildings that are dorms are still there. How's that? Okay. Just I'm saying. down with that. I don't hate Villanova. You're, you're, you're hating on me. You're I'm hating on, on you. Yeah. Okay, can we let's let's record this? What is our bet for Duke? Because I'm not winning another bet and not getting paid. What is our bet? It's simple, right? I can't remember. What oh was, come on! I don't. I swear I don't remember. What was it? We make the final four, right? Oh no! Was it? No, you're right. No, no, no. That's, but, okay. but now they're in the same bracket as as Gonzaga. But, but no, you're right. But yeah, right. No, no, but no, 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 no. I'm not backing out of it. I'm not backing out of it. I couldn't remember what it was. And we're doing a meal, right? Yeah, we're all, we're going to Roma. Where are we? Is that what we did? I okay. thought we said Roma. I like that. All right. So Duke makes the final four. You win. They don't make the final Damn. four. I win. Terms have been locked in. Locked in.